Hello and welcome to another episode. I'm called Adrian. In this one, I have a treat for you. Well, at least I believe it's a treat. Last night, I had the great pleasure once again of having a very long and in-depth conversation with Tom Barnett in Australia. And the subject of that discussion was health. Now, Tom's got some very good and interesting views on health, as do I. And I thought it would be a good idea for us to put our heads together and have a conversation about that. Now, as ever, um, the conversation took on a whole life of its own and went in some very interesting, insightful and unusual discussions. And during the course of the discussion, we were both learning things from each other, which was really magical and very enjoyable. We covered a whole raft of subjects, and I'm not going to go into them all now, but just to give you a taster, we talked about the role your teeth play sitting on the electrical meridians and they act like circuit breakers. We talked about the role metals and metallic minerals have in disturbing the electrical field in your body. We talked about food. We talked about how food has changed the physiology, the work of Western Price. Um, and we talked about a whole host of other subjects in and around health. And really, just how simple health is, if you follow natural laws and the way nature works, and if you go against it, there is a very severe price to pay because we're simply not designed to do that. So if you want to listen to a very... Uh, enjoyable and entertaining conversation, then I would suggest you find some time. It's a long listen. It's over an hour and a half we were talking. Um, we had a little bit of a glitch with the Zoom call partway through, so we had to restart that when the connection got stuck. Because it's such a long listen, you might want to listen to it at one and a half or two times speed, which is what I listen to a lot of videos at. In fact, I've done that so much in the last year that I find it a little unusual to listen to a conversation at normal speed now, which is interesting. Um, also, because it's a long one and the content suits, I'm putting it up as a podcast that you can download and have a listen to. And if you don't know now, if you go to the new website for the love of truth.co.uk forward slash podcast, you'll find a list on there that you can then download and listen to at your leisure. And it's also worth signing up to the website if you haven't done so already, or at least bookmarking it. Then you can keep an eye on all the new content because I do put content on there. In addition to the videos, there are also reference papers, books, articles, other resources to have a look at. So without further ado, and make yourselves comfortable, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. And I am so looking forward to seeing you in the next video. Take care of yourselves. You're all amazing. Bye-bye. Buddy, hey, nice to see you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, it was a good chat last week, so happy to be back. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. The, uh, I thought what we'd do today is talk about health, because it seems to be a bit of a dark art, and it really doesn't have to be. It actually is pretty straightforward once you understand what questions to ask, what to look at. Um, and, and really just kind of go from there. From from my viewpoint, everything... Oh, God, I sat on my leg for 10 minutes. <laughs> the, um, it, it's all cause and effect. So what, what people do is they look at the effect, which is the symptom, and they think that's the illness, and it's got nothing to do with the illness. It's what your body's trying to do to deal with the illness. If they simply mm -hmm. step back and look at the causality of it, they're going to be in with a fighting chance. But, of course, the medical industry don't want to do that because that's how they make their profit. Yeah, totally. It's... Uh... It's a very upside down, back to front world, the health. It's, it's so funny because uh, I wrote, uh, it's pretty much a health ebook. It's called The Common Sense Guide to Food. That was a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And I said in that, there's like over a million books on diet and health alone. Mm -hmm. And like, how can you have a million different books with completely differing <laughs> philosophies and guidelines and, and uh, advice when it's something so simple? It's like, 
health is actually and diet and nutrition is all very, very simple, but it's been turned into this back to front upside down world to make and generate trillions of dollars and uh, keep people chasing their tails. Pretty much. Yeah. And, and, and in a really bad way, I feel, I, I feel terribly sorry because when you start to, I had a long chat with a guy earlier on uh, who has, um, what is it? Non Hodgkin's lymphoma, super nice guy. And he's done quite well with the research he's done, but he just wanted to reach out and ask some questions. And in the space of an hour, he had a whole different view on things. And he was actually quite excited now because I said to him, your body is trying to keep you alive and you should be so grateful for that. All you've got to do is work with it to find the cause. Uh, and funnily enough, actually, we were talking about teeth, which we'll, we'll get to. And I said, you haven't yeah. got a root canal at this position. He went, yeah. I said, okay, well, you might want to get that removed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, every meridian in the body runs through into the teeth, so it's uh, yeah. it's very important to yeah root canals are a, that's that's another one of those things you know it's just uh, you know take take your appendix out take your tonsils out hey get a root canal <laughs> well why would you leave something dead in your mouth yeah yeah I mean it, it was funny the other day because I had a tooth pulled and I said to the dentist can I have that and and she wasn't that keen on me having it she said it was it was toxic waste and I said well about twenty seconds ago it wasn't particularly toxic because it was still in my head and I wasn't dead. So yeah. I'd like that. And then I pointed out that if you keep something that is someone's creation, it's actually theft if you don't have that permission. So I'll have that. Because what yeah. I wanted to do was to pop out the filling and to look underneath because it had rotted under the filling and nowhere else. So even mm. when they fill teeth, I think they go about it the entire wrong way as well. Yeah, that's an interesting one. We should, whenever you want, now or later, we should talk about teeth and um, and fillings and dental procedures because it's another back to front yes. world. There's yeah. so many... There's so many misconceptions and so many ways that that can actually make you less healthy and the body can definitely heal cavities naturally. And uh, funnily enough, I've actually just come across a dentist who concurs with that, which I was really surprised about, but he's like a private dentist. He's not in the mainstream part of dentistry, which makes sense. Yes. And uh, so we can talk a bit about that as well. That would be good because I I was studying recently a lot of the work by Dr. Jerry Tennant about voltages healing. Are you familiar with that? No. No. That, okay, well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to talk about that because that's interesting. So he, he mm. spent a long time studying Schorberger and a bunch of other guys. And he said that with all the research they've done, that the healthy cells in the body need a voltage of minus 25 millivolts to be healthy. And that if you get sick, you need to create new cells. And in fact, you, the only way you can to recover from anything is to be able to create new cells that work. And he said, so what happens is the body's voltage has to go up in that area to minus 50 millivolts. And you then need a supply of nutrients. So if you bang your thumb with a hammer, the first thing that happens is it hurts. The voltage then increases, and then the blood supply opens and trucks in all the nutrients. But if you can't get the voltage up and you haven't got the nutrients, it's never going to heal, so you end up with chronic inflammation. And he Mm -hmm. said also then if the voltage drops to minus 10 millivolts, you start sorry, minus 15, you start to feel tired. At minus 10, you get sick. At minus 5, the organs stop working properly. When you get to zero, because your body is basically – so you're an electrical being, as you know – yeah. And you've got battery packs, which is the various muscle groups. In a rechargeable battery, when it gets to zero volts, the polarity swaps and then you can't charge it. And he said, well, that happens in the body mm-hmm. as well. So when you get to plus five to plus 15 millivolts, the RNA and DNA start to get into trouble, which is basically the instruction set that runs the cell, if you will. Um, and he said, yeah. when you get to plus 30 millivolts, then you get cancer every single time. And he said, and what happens is voltage is it determines how much oxygen the blood can, sorry, the water, the water in the body can carry. So in yep. cancer people, as you and I both know, they've got pretty much their oxygen starved in the area where the problem is. 
He said, so what happens is that the body then starts to, the stem cells start to create new blood supply into the area to try and get oxygen into the cells which are dying. And when you get rapid creation of blood vessels in a particular area, I believe the medical industry refers to that as a tumor, which of course is your body's attempt to try and keep you alive. So he's done a tremendous amount of work and his books are really interesting on the subject of voltage. And he talks about how to then recreate the voltage and recorrect everything, including changing the polarity back again. So it, it's worth, cool. I'll, I'll send and you some links. is that done through, I'll, I'll pick up a book, but is that done by uh, diet and lifestyle or is it done by some kind of voltage machine that you can connect to or whatever? Yeah, it is a voltage machine, yeah. But he also talks about okay. that because one of the things that pH is so important, when I was doing my research about cancer, it was to do with pH. And I didn't, I, I knew it was important to become alkaline because you, you can, it does all the healing stuff. But I was missing the point that there's a, he also talks out there's a, there's like a cord that runs across from the front to the back. And that is the main trunk for energy, electricity in the body. And mm-hmm. that if that gets cut, like women who have C-sections, then you have all sorts of problems. The same with your teeth. When your teeth corrode, because as you said, they're connected to the energy meridians, a bit like a battery in a car. When it gets corrosion on the terminals, you can't get charge into it and out of it properly. And that happens with your teeth. And that's why you can then look at your teeth and see where you're in the body, which is why I had that tooth pulled because I was, I was noticing things weren't right pop the tooth out and within two or three days all the problems i was having have gone so mm-hmm. it, it's a really yep. interesting study and it ties in with so much other stuff and it's well worth a look i've actually written out to him to see if he'd come on the channel he's not replied yet yeah right now that'd be really interesting i will if you send me or you want to put a link in for the book yeah. i'll i'd like to check that out because that yeah. makes a lot of sense i mean it's kind of how i view it anyway but without yeah. uh defining it within those voltages but that's super interesting because i'd yeah. like to learn more about that i think that's an area i'd I'd like to dive into. I think with the teeth thing too, if you, you know, anyone who's, uh, there's a lot of money, for example, in race horses, they sell from anywhere between 20 and $40 million for a good horse. Wow. So it's a big, big money industry. And one of the things that people will always do is look into the mouth of the horse. Mm-hmm. They'll look at their dentistry and things to see how strong and healthy that horse is. If mm-hmm. it's got dental issues in that, they're not going to pay good money for the horse. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you look at the work, the work of Weston A. Price, who was a dentist yes. in 1929, wrote Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. Mm-hmm. And he showed, you know, as you'd be familiar with, but for anyone that doesn't know, he showed how within one generation of adding Western foods to the yeah. diet of, um, you know, tribal people who were living naturally the way they'd lived for thousands of years, yep. from going from no cavities and a perfectly symmetrical bone structure and a, and a properly formed mandible, they went to having, um, you know, deformities yeah. Uh, cavities and then also western health issues like yep. diabetes and cancers and things like that yep. within one generation and it's all due to the foods and yeah. uh before that there was you know the dentistry was excellent yeah that there was um they were talking about the people in the outer hebrides uh, and the uk as well on that and it was it was that was one of the most interesting books i ever read when i was digging around looking for stuff on cancer and and how the medical industry itself had transformed everything with with obviously the big lie that you know germ theory is actually well, it's not anything other than the theory, but they, they think it is. And they, they've everything, you know, we talk about inversion, everything balances on that one point. You keep that point away, the whole thing doesn't look so good. Yeah. 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 Well, the thing with the dentistry too is that um, the thing with filling. So my dental journey, the reason I've got a lot of interest in it is because when I was a kid, I had really sensitive teeth, couldn't mm-hmm. have hot or cold stuff without getting extreme pain. And by the time I was something like eight years old, I'd had, I think, eight fillings. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, I was fed junk food and things, there's probably some genetic stuff in there too, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of, a lot of dental issues and got my mouth filled with amalgams more than <laughs> anything. I had like amalgams. I know what that's so, going. 
Yeah, so I had health issues and that growing up. No one really attributed it to anything until I actually got really sick in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And um, so th- the amount of problems that I've had with my teeth over the years And at this point in the conversation, the Zoom call completely locked up. Tom froze on the screen I had. Apparently, he could still hear me, but I couldn't hear him. Although on his audio track that I'm looking at now, I can hear him. So we had to restart the phone call and we will now rejoin it and carry on. Yeah, I've had that a couple of times. It seems to be when you start to get into some sensitive areas that the uh, whatever's controlling the show doesn't get too impressed about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's happened before to me too. Like not being able to actually log on or something to, yeah, you know, to do a consult too. And yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, it, it sounds. I mean, it sounds like you had some real things going on with your health. I presume that was to do with mercury poisoning. Yeah, yeah, most of it was mercury poisoning. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty. When you look at the symptomology and the history, it's all it all points to mercury. So from yeah. vaccines given to reactions that were not attributed to vaccines that. Yeah looking back can definitely be attributed to the vaccines yeah and then the amalgam fillings exposure to um uh, mercurochrome and things like that which is a mercury based antiseptic that your parents will rub into your open wounds and uh, yeah and then uh and then things like um just being silly as kids and playing with uh, fluorescent light tubes and breaking them over each other and those have mercury in them and yeah yeah, a lot of exposure over the time. So yeah, I guess the other thing to do with your teeth as well is you, you, there's a because you've got metals in there, you're going to have a galvanic reaction, so that's going to create some kind of current as well. And your body runs yep. on such a very sensitive voltage range, you're going to be causing mayhem throughout your entire system without even realizing it. Yep, absolutely. And a lot of people don't realize when they put things like belly button rings in their bodies and things like that, you're actually changing the way the electricity runs through the body and it's a, it becomes a magnet it actually attracts toxicity to the, the area. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. But a lot of people, I think we're not, obviously we're not educated at all on our health yeah. throughout schooling and things like that. So we don't know these things, but yeah. we are very much an electrical being yeah. and how we uh, manipulate or how that's manipulated on purpose by things like the medical and dental and, and other industries is yeah. quite uh, significant. Yeah. I've, I've read some interesting stories about people who've had, um, like pins put in broken bones and stuff, and all of a sudden their health collapses because they're mm. going to act as a big antenna, aren't they? Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah weird pains in those areas when they're yeah. around certain things or temperatures or whatever. Yeah. 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 And it just, and, and, and unfortunately, people don't put two and two together to get four. They come up with nothing. And, and it's a real shame. And then yeah. the doctors don't really know. They don't get it. Have you read The, yeah. the Invisible Rainbow by Arthur Furstenberg? No, no, but I know of it. A lot of people yeah. tell me about it. Yeah, sounds yeah. like a great book. It's, it's, yeah. I'm just, I'm just about halfway through it right now. It's a really interesting read because he tracks right back to the beginning of uh, electricity, and he calls it a fluid, and and how it moved forwards, and how people got sicker and sicker and sicker the more the electrification happened across the planet. Yeah, you know, yeah. to the point now that there's is it between ten and thirty percent of people are electrosensitive. And yet it's been it's been removed from the disease identification list, so it doesn't get um, it doesn't get noticed. Certainly in the U.S., but in places like Russia and the old Soviet countries, they still recognize it as a disease, and it is one of the most common causes of ill health. Okay, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the uh, yeah, and especially with the amount we're exposed to now. Yeah, and yeah, it's just it's a funny thing, you know, the whole. The funny thing about that is that um, there's electricity has always been around. Yeah. It's just the way that we're using it 
yep. in the modern age is not the way that we used to. Like if you look at a lot of the old structures, they have magnetic rock and mm. brick and things like that. And they actually, that was the original free energy. So people in past civilizations mm. did use electricity, yeah. but just not the way that we use it. We use it in a very dangerous and toxic way. Yeah. And those electromagnetic frequencies that are bound within the airwaves and the way it reacts with uh, the other elements that are around us is yep. different to how it was originally used yeah. by other civilizations. So I presume other civilizations used it as DC as well rather than AC. Yeah, that's right. Because I've yeah. noticed when I've been on trains and stuff, whether, whether electric trains, if you look at the outside, the plants are really lush towards the lines and much more mm-hmm. growth on them than away from the lines. Mm-hmm. That's good observation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like little things like that. I like when people just obs- make good observations and use some common sense because it, yeah. it tells a lot. Oh yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, you, you can see it. It's interesting. Um, it's if anyone hasn't read that book, I would recommend it. I did a I did a video back in I think it was April last year where I read a seventeen page summary and I put it on as a podcast recently, and that gives mm-hmm. you a kind of broad overview of the subject without getting too deep in. But it's an absolute eye opener. And actually, that was one of the reasons that really started to change my relationship with all this gear. I've been earthing and grounding for a long time, but I had no real uh, kind of gut sensation of how bad this was. I had, have you ever been in a server room or a, a big server suite where there's like thousands and thousands of computers? No. Nah. Oh, my no, God. I've seen them. I, I, well, I went into one. and I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't huge. It was maybe three or 400 feet long. I, I was in there maybe four or five minutes before I couldn't breathe. I couldn't speak. I had like static electricity. My skin was tingling like mad. My eyes were dry like they were bulging out my head. And I had to go and do a job. And I was in there probably 12 minutes. And it took me about three days to get better. Really? Yeah, it was just, it was awful. Yeah, I've, I've never been in anything like it because you're literally surrounded by all this stuff pumping out energy. Mm. And uh, not, not a good place to be. Do they, do they have workers in there all the time? Are they surrounded by it all the time? They, they, they don't go in there too often. I was speaking to one of the guys. He said, we have to go in and out. And I said, well, you need to watch yourself. And I, you hear about people getting sick all the time. And again, they don't, they're so, oh, yeah, it's in this industry. It's in that industry. It's because they're completely surrounded by it and they don't realize. Mm. Yeah, well, the interesting thing about the amount of sensitivity to electromagnetic frequencies <laughs> usually has a lot to do with the amount of metallic minerals that are in the body. Yep. So those are your any kind of heavy metals and, yep. and toxic minerals. So uh, the more loaded with that that you are, the more you'll be an antenna for yep. or be susceptible to the negative effects of yep. electromagnetic frequencies. Absolutely. That's probably why they're very keen to keep putting those things inside as many people as they can because a sick individual that doesn't live very long that's suffering isn't really capable of much analytical critical thought to work out what the game is. Mm-hmm. Which is yep. why I suspect Easy we die so young, because I think we should be living for hundreds, if not thousands of years, if we could create an environment that was free from toxicity, because our bodies just self-regenerate constantly. Yeah, yeah, I've heard I've heard people say things like that. Uh, there's a lot of, see, the thing is, is that um, we're not really told exactly what we're capable of. And part yeah. of that is, you know how the, the mind has a lot to do with the, the health of the body, it could literally destroy the body oh, yeah, with negative yeah. thoughts or thinking it's going to die or whatever can actually create cell death and therefore well, bodily death. So, you, you read about uh, people, Tom, don't you, that actually they're given, a, they're given, I was reading about one earlier on, this woman told me she had cancer, that she had three months to live, she died, and then when, after she died, they realized they'd given her someone else's diagnosis and she had nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so imagine if we're told early on that, 
a human being lives for 500 years or something like would we be living for 500 years i mean we, yeah. we don't know that but it's a it's a definite postulate that could be put forward i, I, I and, think absolutely uh, obviously so. would have a lot to do with the environment would have to be healthier than it is yep. our um you know like you said earlier you know it basically comes down to deficiencies and toxicity yeah and that's what wrecks wrecks us and so if it wasn't for those things if the earth and the environment was, was super vibrant we hadn't done a lot of wrecking yeah. of it and putting a lot of smog in the air and electromagnetic smog and all that yeah and we weren't so toxic in our body and in our mind and in our soul yeah then i think we'd be living way longer than we live at the moment and to the point actually a lot of people say oh but we're living longer now than ever and it's like no we're not we're actually not and also most people are um not really alive anyway no. like a lot of people are kind of done by 40 and it's only through drugs and machines and other things that they're kept alive like alive as in their heart's still beating but they're not really alive they're riddled with like mess and pain and yep. it's like they're not they're not alive in yeah. my opinion so no, they're not, no. uh, it's more the quality of life and you know why shouldn't you be 90 or 100 and still gardening and still doing a like deep a deep full squat while you're pulling out weeds or you know picking yeah. flowers or whatever yeah. you know that's that should be normal yeah. Um, but it's definitely not normal in our society. Now, I've got another observation for you. I, I, I like old churchyards for some reason. And in Wales, where I live, we have some magnificent old churches. And I walk around the graveyards looking at the old gravestones, and I ask myself the question, how is it that this person here, or this, this man or woman here, lived to be 78 or 85 years old, 250, 300 years ago, when we had no medical industry, no television, no nothing? You know, and you look at that and you think, nah, something's changed recently that's not good. Yeah. Yeah, they say we're also living longer because what they've done is they've reduced infant mortality just because of environmental uh, factors. And yeah. like a lot of kids that probably, it's a sensitive topic for some people, I'm sure, but probably shouldn't have survived those early years. They were kept alive on incubators or for yep. whatever reason. Yep. And then they come through life being disabled or whatever else. Mm -hmm. And then we've got that that other end of the spectrum at the older years where they're kept alive with heart medication and <laughs> diabetes medication yep. and regular visits to the hospital, but they're not really healthy in any way, shape or form. Yep. So then they take the median and they say that we're living longer, but it's we're not really. It's a it's a it's using statistics and that and skewing them to say that we're living longer, but we're, we're really not. Yeah. The, uh, in that, speaking of diabetes, in uh, that book, The Invisible Rainbow, he points to the dramatic increase in diabetes in all countries that have a big increase in the amount of electromagnetic radiation that they're outputting, be it from 2G, 3G, 4G, when they were electrified. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting to read. Really interesting. And he was saying that might well, have a correlation to. In, so when you get all that put in 2G, 3G, 4G, you're talking about the technology. Yeah. You're generally also looking at those countries also getting a lot of the um, the foods. Yes. So the convenience foods and that, which yeah. are loaded with trans fatty acids, yeah. uh, not trans fatty acids, polyunsaturated fats. Yeah. And it, polyunsaturated it, fats it are known together. to... Yeah, well, they're known to, to coat cell membranes and make the cells insulin resistant. So it's like there's, I think it's more, it's it's got a lot to do with the increase in technology yeah. and convenience in general, yes. rather than it just being one particular thing. I think it's a combination of a lot of different factors. And I, I think everything become. is a combination of everything, Tom. And that's one of the, the difficulties people have. And actually speaking of that, don't you find it interesting that when someone goes to see the doctor and say they have a sore shoulder, that all of a sudden they become a shoulder and nothing else? Yeah, and, and, and yeah. how's that going to work when you've completely isolated this, and that might not even be where the problem sits? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, totally. And then usually the first option is a surgery. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, there's so many things that can cause a, a dodgy shoulder. It could just be, it could be an alignment from other parts of the body, usually yep. the upper cervical spine, or it could be like the, the liver meridian runs through, particularly the uh, right shoulder. Yeah. And you got, there's, there's just so many things it could be, or it could be a, anyway, it could be anything structural. Yeah. But so for example, I've got a mate who this is back when we were, what we were maybe 25 and um, he used to sweat a lot. And mostly it was because he had anxiety. Like if he was around girls or something, he'd just sweat profusely. So he went to the uh, the doctor, mostly on his underarms, mm-hmm. went to the doctor. The doctor gave him two options. The first option was to get a cortisone shot into the uh, armpit. To, and, and then the second option was to get a surgery to remove the sweat glands from the armpit. Those were no. his two options. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, even he, who wasn't really minded, you know, he wasn't really following the sort of stuff I was doing back then. Yeah. And even he walked out just going, I don't think that sounded right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. No yeah. thoughts, no diet, no lifestyle, no nothing, no getting to know yourself, your relationship with yourself, with women, yeah. with, uh, yeah. you know, are you eating things that could be causing X? It's just like, nah, let's either inject it with something that'll stop sweating and, and stop those glands yeah. working or let's remove them. It's just like, that is the medical industry to a T. I had a, a friend of mine was pregnant and she was getting a lot of heartburn and the doctor said to her, don't worry, take this tablet and it will switch off your stomach acid. And I said, yeah. I don't think that's a particularly good idea. When is it happening <laughs> most? And she said, well, when I'm lying down at night. So I said, right, I'll come around and I propped the top end of the bed up on two bricks either side to make it higher up. Problem solved, she slept and she yeah. still had stomach acid to digest food, which is pretty important. <laughs> Yeah, it's this thing where people seem to, and it ties really nicely into germ theory, where people seem to think that there's some like malfunction in the way that we're designed. It's like mm-hmm. nature somehow got it wrong or God got it wrong somehow. Yeah. Just like totally screwed it up. Yeah. And that's the mentality of like nature's out to kill you. Or there's these things called germs and they'll get in you and kill you. Yeah. Or I don't need stomach acid. That's like not meant to be there. It's, it's an acid or <laughs> anything in the body. It's like it's everything is designed to perfection. Yeah. And then when we ever have any kind of what we consider to be an ailment mm-hmm. or something wrong, that's just a teacher. It's like this is the indication yep. as to where you are out of balance with your natural state. Yes. Uh, otherwise your natural state like you said we should be living way longer but also our natural state is health and vibrant health yeah it's only when we're messing with or out of nature's rules or outside of nature's cycles that we experience disharmony and that disharmony shows up with pain uh or you know some kind of anomaly in the body that we consider to be negative absolutely yeah there there was one thing i did want you to cover as well which was your thoughts on why you can't catch a virus because that video was just awesome but some people won't have seen it could you summarize that in a nutshell for us yeah okay yeah so uh to summarize it a virus is not a living organism Mm -hmm. so everything that is named a pathogen is generally living so a a bacteria a parasite a protozoan a fungus they're all living they all have a nucleus they're all alive they have an excrete uh, like a digestive system a nervous system to yep. a degree even if it's rudimentary mm-hmm. and uh a virus though is not a living organism it has no elements of being alive yeah. such as having a nervous system an excretory or a digestive system yeah a nucleus a cell nucleus yeah it's not any of that it's a dna 
Like it's, it's basically like a bit of DNA surrounded with a bit of fat. That's pretty much what it is. So it doesn't it's even have cellular a debris then, isn't and, it? Pardon? It'd be cellular debris then pretty much. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. So, so, um, <laughs> so it's not an organism, mm-hmm. but what it does is it is debris. That's what they've, they've named a virus is what they can pick up as debris mm-hmm. from a cell. So what really happens is a cell self creates its own cleaning mechanism mm-hmm. and the reason it c- creates this cleaning mechanism is because it becomes dirty yeah. so how does the cell become dirty well it's how we've treated the body we're either exposed to environmental toxins yeah. such as smog uh, electromagnetic radiation mm-hmm. uh, you know environmental chemicals pesticides fungicides heavy metals vaccines that we've been given medication we've been given personal care uh, products. that's in the body as pardon personal care products <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, all of that. Anything, all all of that, and then not only that, but the poor diet, poor lifestyle, and poor thinking. Mm-hmm. Negative and destructive thinking creates those residues in the body. It creates different chemicals and hormones in the body, which lead to residues that need to be cleaned up. If they're not cleaned up, because the detoxification pathways aren't running properly, we end up with sick and toxic cells. Yes. So those sick and toxic cells usually are cleaned by bacteria. And fungus. That's usually the yeah. body's primary cleaning mechanism. Yeah. And Those aren't, are like janitors. Funguses and yeasts and moles derivations of the same thing through pleomorphism, as they call it, where they can change form to suit what they can required. change. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. part of the cleanup. Yeah, they, they can change, but they're the primary. They're the primary cleaning mechanism. So, mm-hmm. depending on the job that needs doing, pleomorphism is where they may change form in order to carry out a certain function. Yeah. So. The thing is, though, that they're living. Same with parasites, they're living. Now, if they're cleaning out, imagine like this is my room that I'm in. Imagine it's so filthy mm-hmm. with mold and uh, just gunk and, and uh, toxic waste everywhere. Yeah. And I come in and I'm alive. Yeah. And I start scrubbing it and I'm trying to clean it out. And there's so much gunk and other stuff now filling the air and going in my mouth and my eyes that I, it, I, I die because yeah. I'm a living organism. It's too toxic and yeah. I die. Well, I can't do the job. I can't clean this room anymore. Yes. So a virus being non-living, therefore cannot die, is literally just a solvent. It's something that the body is creating, the cell is creating like a soap, and then it excretes these particles, Mm -hmm. which have have done the job of cleaning. Mm -hmm. And then that's it. That's what they call a virus, Mm -hmm. but it's not alive, therefore can't die. And that's all it does. It's pretty much like a lot of people refer to it as soap. A virus is basically soap and it cleans the the cell and it does a really good job because it can't be harmed. Yeah. The reason it's got a lipid layer, which is a fat layer, is that fat is the only uh, substance in the body that is not harmed by toxicity. So every other, especially something like mercury, yeah. will degrade or destroy bone, nervous system, tissue, muscle, tendons, skin, mm-hmm. like anything living that it touches, but it won't be harmed by fat. Mm-hmm. And that is why the body will always surround um, toxic minerals like heavy metals mm-hmm. with fat, always. It'll be shuttled to somewhere fatty in the body, particularly the brain, which is mostly fat, but also yeah. runs on metallic minerals. Yeah. So that's why heavy metals will go there. Yeah. And also uh, like lip, like free-flowing fat in the body yeah. uh, will be sent to shuttle to surround something that is a toxic mineral because it's the only thing that won't be harmed by that toxic mineral. So that's why these viruses, the virus is surrounded by a lipid layer because yeah. it's what helps to protect and it won't destroy that on yeah. its way out. But then they do fragment. Okay. So, uh, well, one, one yeah, quick question that, then for you, because one thing I've really wondered about is 
when you get someone who's particularly obese and they're in a very toxic state because of the way they're eating and drinking and, and, and conducting mm-hmm. themselves in the environment they're in, it makes yep. sense then, doesn't it, that your body actually wouldn't be able to lose weight because if it did and released all the toxic minerals, you'd die. So maybe it hangs on to the fat just to keep you alive because there are plenty of heavy people that just can't lose weight. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Yep. Yeah, okay. that's that's exactly right. That's what happens because it's protective. Yeah. And also, so one of the guys that I got uh, nutritional, some of my nutritional training from was uh, Ogenes Vonderplanitz, who's a guy who was I've famous for name. eating a lot of raw meats and things like that. Really extreme kind of a diet, but yeah. he's also a guy, I don't think I've ever come across anyone that's been through more pain and suffering than him. Okay. <laughs> and so his philosophy is very, very extreme, but that's because his life was very, very extreme. Mm-hmm. But one, he he had several patients that were like really their, their life was drugs, alcohol, poor diet and whatever. But when he looked at their iridology and things like that, uh, they, they looked way younger than they actually were. Mm-hmm. And the reason was because they were fat. Mm-hmm. That fat, even, even though it was like they were eating bad fats and all that sort of stuff, that fat itself was actually protecting yes. more of the damage going on inside of the body. So when somebody is overweight, part of being overweight should be being a bit thankful that uh, it's, it is keeping you alive. Mm-hmm. And to the point when somebody is really wiry and skinny mm-hmm. and they've got chronic health conditions, I'll almost put money on the fact that they'll never recover until they can put on some body weight yep. to alleviate the burden of toxicity that they're carrying, especially environmental toxicity. Yep. Uh, otherwise, I don't think they're ever getting better. And I've, I've done a test with that with people who go to environmental clinics mm-hmm. who are there for years going in and out no improvement and they're wiry and mm-hmm. then it's like they they need to they're just never getting better and i've had some patients come through who are in that situation and then going on a three-month weight gain cycle and mm-hmm. holding it on for a few months mm-hmm. and then letting that weight go they they alleviate like a lot of the symptoms they bump up then they'll do another cycle and they'll bump up again so that's really that plays really, a really interesting yeah, it plays a very fundamental role. Yeah. But that's um but getting back to the virus, that's why you can't catch one because they're made from within a cell and they're also very specific. Mm-hmm. The code of the virus is specific to the cell tissue. Mm-hmm. So a a virus or a you know an excreted particle that comes out of a lung mm-hmm. will not be in any way identical to one that comes out of the liver or the stomach or mm-hmm. any other kind of cell tissue in the body because they're very specific. Yeah. That's why there's hundreds of thousands of different viruses uh, in any given body. And yeah. it's also why you can't get in between species. And I don't know. I think that's a simple version. That, no, that, that, that sounds really interesting. And that also then, I, I have wondered about the fact that they would carry information that other people around you would also have access to that information. Because we all share information, not just through words and thoughts and writing and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, that's, I'm going to think more on that one. That's interesting. Thank you. Yeah, but, well, that's also why... so. So part of 
part of going through like a flu or a cold and a lot of people can go through that at once is that it's not just what's going on in the body because it's toxic. Yeah. It's a relation to the environment. Mm-hmm. So everything in nature receives information or codes yeah. through sunlight, uh, temperature, um, just you know, uh, moisture, all of the environmental factors mm-hmm. turn on something in the genetic code. Like, hey, it's time to fly south now, and all the birds just go. They don't tell it. They don't tab each other on the shoulder. Hey, do you think it's the right time? I think we've got. To, they just know it. They just <laughs> go. Right, or yeah. wildebeest running across, yeah. or seeds germinating. It's just like embedded in the code of life that yes. it knows based on an environmental stimulus. Yes. And we're the same. Where we can receive the stimulus that right it's the right time to go through a spring cleaning the body needs to clean out from yeah. time to time yeah. hey everyone's getting the cold but you're not catching it from other people and you know that because you can everyone's been in a workplace or a party or a family and one or two people will get a cold but then other people won't it's yeah. not contagious no. although the bacterial element is actually contagious but the bacterial element will only be have the effect of a detoxification of a cold or whatever mm-hmm. If the body needs cleaning out, you can take in the bacteria Mm because it is contagious. But if your throat doesn't need a clean out or your lungs or whatever, your nasal passages don't need a clean out, you won't be producing the mucus or get the cough or the the snotty nose or whatever because you don't need the clean. Yeah, But you will get the bacteria. It's interesting. Unless it has something to clean, it's not going to do its job. Yeah, it's interesting. That's why uh, it can appear to be like a transference of a virus because of the flu season, for example, but that's literally just, it's the time of year when everyone that is sick and toxic goes through a cleaning and that's all it is. The reason that people can die from a flu is because they're so soft. They're so toxic. It's like that the excretions from the cell, the cell's so weak that it can collapse the cell and cause cell death. Mm -hmm. It can put too much toxicity. Like that has to be excreted from the body. What's Mm -hmm. cleaned from the cells Mm -hmm. has to move through the body before it can be excreted through the breath, the skin, the urine, the feces, mucus or whatever else. And if that just binds the system up and blocks the lymphatic system and blocks everything else, then the body's just not, it's just going to cark it. So only a weak and toxic person will die from a flu. Yeah, A healthy person either won't get a flu ever or uh, they certainly won't die from it. Oh, so okay. when we look at these deaths and people will say, oh, we must wear masks to protect <laughs> other people. It's like, no, <laughs> those people should not be Muppets yeah. and put you know, yeah. toxic everything into their bodies and just think that their convenient lifestyles yeah. are the way to go and nature somehow made mistakes and I don't have to follow. There's, I said it in my first video, nature doesn't care what you believe. No. So if you live outside of nature's laws, you're going to get spanked. Mm-hmm. And if you die, it's your own fault. Yeah. It sounds harsh, but it, that, that's just how it is. And if you live within nature's bounds, it looks after you very well. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do a couple of quick stories for people listening as well. When I decided to uh, completely change my lifestyle and my diet, and this was probably going on about 30 years ago now, 28, 30 years ago, which is the last time I ever saw a medical practitioner and the last time I've ever been particularly sick, funnily enough, not that there's any correlation. I, I used to suffer terribly with um, sinus trouble. I had a lot of sinus pain, a lot of blockage, and I was on planes two and three times a week back then when I was working hard and doing the corporate shit that I thought was relevant and acquiring all sorts of nonsense that I didn't like, and I actually worked something out from that, which is, I think mean, it was called status, isn't it, which is buying shit you don't want with money you've not got to impress people you don't even like. um i got up one morning i I decided well i'll go vegan for a bit and see how that goes you can do anything for a little bit and see how you go 
Um, and I started to lose weight. The acne problems I'd had for literally a decade started to clear up. And I got up one morning and I sneezed and I thought that was weird. And this kind of brown liquid was just kept dripping out my nose. So I sat over the toilet for the next 30 minutes. I had this awful smelling brown vile liquid running out of my head. And it was all kind of going crackling and popping. I'm thinking, all right, maybe this is bad. And to this day, I've never had trouble with my sinuses again, ever. Yeah. So that was one, and that was your body. When you st- when you start to get the when you're taking less toxins in than you can push out, your body can then start to push more and more stuff out. And on on the subject of viral detoxification, and and I'm pretty careful about what I do and what I eat and how I go about things. My if I have an annual viral detoxification, it normally lasts anywhere from three to six hours, and I get the whole ruck of everything. I get you know a bit of the throat thing, a bit of the cough thing. I get the sweats. Might get an upset stomach. I go to bed, get up in the morning, it's all gone on fine again for another year. And and that's yeah. what people can get like, and they don't seem to get that. And you can be exposed to all sorts of nonsense, and you will not catch it. Because he, I think, I don't know if you've read Tom Cowan's book, The Contagion Myth. As far as I can see, tying in with that and what you've just said about if you haven't got the toxic load, it doesn't matter because it won't affect you. Yeah. But also, um, colds and flus should actually be celebrated. You should be yeah. thankful for if you if you have one yearly, yeah. like once a year, that's actually a good thing mm. because there's plenty of people who go, oh, I've never had a cold or a flu that's for the last bad. thirty or forty years, and they die five years later. Yeah. It's because that's a clean out, and you you need it. Like we've all been exposed. Some people take they take that as like a very uh, it's like this badge of honor. Or it's like an <sighs> ego thing. Like, Look how healthy I am. Yeah. I never get a cold, and it's yeah. like, but colds are actually good. Yeah. Colds are a good thing yeah. because none of us are, uh, it's not, they take it to be, look how well I take care of myself. Yeah. I'm so healthy. I never get a flu, yeah. but that's not actually uh, a good thing. And also that's not actually true because we're all exposed to toxicity. I, so I even if you have an all organic to... diet and everything, if you yeah. live anywhere near anywhere that's populated, yeah. you've got stuff being sprayed in the air. You got stuff, you got electromagnetic smog yeah. and that, causes cell trauma which causes toxicity yes so you we all get toxic all yeah. of us in this world do um i, I don't I read believe in that, that people whole... are exposed to 20 to 25 toxic poisonous events every single day even if they're trying to avoid stuff yeah yeah that's it you, you can't avoid it yeah. unless you're like in the middle of nowhere somewhere living with a uh, amazonian tribe or something but even then i don't believe it because no. i think it just covers everything all the the chemicals and that i think just cover everywhere yeah but at the same time uh, you know, if you're not getting them, it's, I think it's not a good sign. No. So uh, in the West, uh, not the West, in the East, for example, they celebrate having a cold because they know it's a clean out and yeah. they know they're going to be healthier yeah. on the other side of it. It's like, wow, I feel more energetic now that I've gone through a cold. I'll tell you what else and, they do as well is they don't mask the symptoms to say, oh, I got better. You didn't. You, you're yeah. destroying your health by, by closing it in. It's, it's trapped in there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You should never try to either bring down a fever because a fever is the body's way to actually speed up regeneration. Yeah. Yeah. You should never try to like, uh, you know, take cold and flu tablets to like yeah. minimize the symptoms of a, yeah. because it's all just fake. And you, you've got to let your body go through that because it knows what it's doing. Yes. Nature knows what it's doing. It's doing it for a reason. Yeah. And if you don't want them, take better care of yourself in the first place. Yeah. And you even then you're still going to get them because like you said, once you start to get healthier, sometimes you're going to go through like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, or, you know, like have the runs for three days or something uncomfortable. And yeah. uh, when I was, see, I'm still detoxifying mercury. It happens very slowly. Mm-hmm. And when I went up, when I, I bumped up my um, protocol to, like, to getting more out, mm-hmm. I got these uh, 
massive blisters under here and from here to here was all burned it was like ready purple wow. and i'd be asleep at night and i'd move and it'd like tear and i'd be like wake up sweating in pain yeah. Yeah. and walking around in the day these sacks of fluid are just flopping around i'm like this yeah. is comfortable that happened <laughs> they, were, they were there for three weeks oh yeah. they were there for a month yeah and um but every day i was like this is awesome yeah. like i didn't really enjoy the pain that much but i was like i'm so glad this is here yeah because that what's under here lymph nodes yeah. You know, so it's like, Pushing it's uh, that's out. my body getting rid of some of the deeper, deeper seated stuff that was always going to be there had I not yeah. allowed it to start coming out. Yeah. And when toxicity comes out, it's generally going to be unpleasant. It's generally going to look like a rash or you might get a fungus like athlete's foot or fungal patches, uh, psoriasis, eczema. Yeah. You might get bad breath. You might get the runs. You might get, you know, brown crap come out of your nose. You might get yeah. colds and flus achy bodies that's yeah. all signs of detoxification but yeah. it's a good sign because what was in your body is now coming out yeah. and your body's allowing it to happen yeah i had um and this was only recently for me it was interesting because I, I, I drink nothing but distilled water now because our water here mm-hmm. is, just, is just crap um and you know I, I am careful about what i eat um and it was funny because probably about a month back now i noticed that when i was going to the toilet there was such a strong smell of petrol and I'm like, the fuck, I've not been drinking petrol. And I thought about it. I thought, well, I'm exposed to petrochemicals and it's on the food and it's all over the place. It's just my body getting rid of it. But it was a really odd sensation. My, my bathroom smelled like a car garage for a while, which was really yeah, strange. Right. But it's good. because You know, my, my girlfriend, she had breast cancer, which is why I ended up writing that book as I dived, dived into it and said, well, I'm not going to lose you. I lost my mum. We were on a plane once and she was going through the protocols and all the juicing we were doing and, and the bicarb and everything. And she got really, really bad BO. And I looked across and she had this massive black stain on her armpit from a t-shirt. And I said, you're just pushing a whole load of crap out, stick with it, but you do smell yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty common too. Yeah. Actually, you know, that, that's funny. I'm just sort of thinking about the fuel thing, like um, maybe because you're a bit of a car guy, aren't you? Yeah. Like you've been around probably fuel and bowsers and like uh, like yeah. uh, petrochemicals for yep. a while. And a lot of the way you bring that in is by breathing in. And, yep. and then what happens as well is when we breathe in stuff like that, it generally lodges in the sinus. So you, yep. get, you can get a lot of those, uh, the petrochemicals lodged in the linings because it's very sensitive mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. That might be one of the reasons you had the uh, all that coming out of your nose. Yeah. Did that smell like? Now, that, petrochemicals that, at all that, or that was long before i got into doing the cars and stuff so but the the, yeah, the right, petrochemical okay. smell was definitely much more recent but I, there, there's, yeah, right. there's been times when all sorts of weird things i had a um i had a large lump under my armpit uh for years and years and years and years and i thought it didn't really trouble me and i thought i've got no idea i don't really shit what it is i'm not interested it'll be fine within a month of drinking distilled water i was washing one day and i thought jesus christ that's gone just finished disappeared which is yeah, really right. cool. And, and this is what happens when you start to give your body the right materials. So like within the water, if you're drinking crap water, you are taking in so much junk. And then someone mm. said someone said to me today, he said, yeah, but it can take the minerals out. And I said, it does, but it takes the inorganic minerals out that have got no business being in you in the first place. It won't strip anything yeah. else out. Yeah. Yeah, not just um, not just gunk in there, but uh, information. So light and water are easily coated with information and yes. you don't know what you're actually bringing in when you're bringing in like town water sources. Like that's got, if it's got a negative information in it, it's putting it into your body and it's yeah. putting that into your cells. So your body might learn to be functioning at a much lesser state oh, yeah. as opposed to uh, high frequency or uh, water that has a good memory of the environment and it can teach your body about what's happening in the environment just by the water source yeah 
And that's why it's really important to, whenever you can to have it, your water come from as local as possible. Same yeah. with your food, because it has the, the uh, codes and the information from the local environment. What's happening? What's the toxicity level? What's the, uh, it, what's the temperature level and all that? How does that yeah. relate to your body? That's all information gathered from the yeah. sources of food and water. It's interesting you mentioned that as well. You could take the seeds if you're growing your own food and keep them in your mouth for, I presume, three or four minutes, and that will also encode mm. the plant, will work out what you need back from it because yeah. you've got such a great yeah, relationship. It with it. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people do things like they spit on in their uh, soil and that as well. They urinate on it. They sweat on it. Yep. They bathe over it. Like yep. they might get um, their washing bucket and bathe over yeah. themselves into their yeah. gardens and stuff yeah, yeah it, all, it all teaches the the land about you and and can help to like give the uh, the what you need exactly like you said yeah my, my girlfriend said a while back she went why are all the plants doing so well in the conservatory and i went uh because i walk around in the morning and i pee on them <laughs> yeah <laughs> which she thought was a bit strange yeah, particularly it's funny actually I, I haven't verified this i've just heard it from a keen gardener but apparently lemon trees particularly like the urine from men, not necessarily women. Mm -hmm. It's like if a man pees on his lemon tree, there's something about, I forget the actual thing. It was just stuck in my mind. I was like, mm, I didn't just, yeah, it sounded yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it just, that, I mean, that, that whole thing absolutely fascinates me. And when you were talking about water before, if anyone wants to look at the work of Victor Shawberger, um, the water wizard, and some of the stuff he did about to to move water and how it should be vortexed and it folds over itself and it's all about implosion which is where all the energy sits and that's i think how the entire universe works anyway this idea that everything's mm. an inversion so we we go around exploding things to create energy and we should be imploding things to create energy yeah yeah totally agree yeah, yeah. that's why um there's a you know i'm not really into the mainstream stuff anymore but i spent a lot of time in it but uh quantum physicists used to say that there's enough latent energy in one cubic centimeter yeah of air like yeah. just around us to instantly boil all of the world's oceans yep. and the mind is you can't really wrap around that unless you start looking into the the ideas of implosions and inversions and yep. the way that can ripple out into reality it's like it's almost like going out of it and back in yes as opposed to we think there can't be enough energy in there to explode mm -hmm. and boil like you know how long it takes to boil even a thing of water on a stove like yeah how much energy must there be in that tiny amount of air, one cubic centimeter yeah. to boil all of the world's oceans instantly, not just heat them up but yeah. instantly boil them. Yeah. That could only happen through the implosion. Absolutely. I was speaking to someone because years ago I used to mess around with the things and, and put a current through water to separate the hydrogen and oxygen out because then you could use the hydrogen as an accelerant to make your, your car get better miles per gallon, better power, not to run off it particularly. And I was telling the guy, and I said, you do know there's about 22,000 litres of hydrogen and oxygen in a litre of water, don't you? And it's stored really perfectly, and it's all nice and inert and safe. And he had no no conception. He said, I can't wrap my head around that. And I said, well, and I drew it out. And he was like, Jesus Christ. I went, yeah, I said, this is what everything's about. And no one's noticed it because it's right in front of them. Mm. Well, that also relates very well to the internal combustion engine and, and burning fuel to create, you know, it's like there there is so much that could and probably has been done in the past where you can use things like uh, ma magnets and, and mm. water, for example, yeah. to actually create more, more energy than an internal combustion energy can create yeah. and not even have to have all the moving parts. You never mm. have to service the car, for example. Like everything that's in our society and system is all built on just things breaking and replacing, breaking yeah. and replacing, constant cycle of more money, more buying, more consumerism and yeah. 
Oh, and yeah. uh, and more burning of energy, but it doesn't. Nest- and and it's funny because you look at what happens to humans, and humans burn their energy out. It's mm-hmm. like the same process of the way we're living is affecting us. Yeah. Whereas it could be much more harmonious. And that goes back to what you were saying before about hey, could we live a lot longer? Yeah. Well, yeah, because we could really be creating a lot more of our own energy rather than having the yeah. burning um, style of yeah. Well, <laughs> an- another clue for people: if you watch nature, which is where everything lives and where everything is. Um, and I know it's not particularly to do with health, but in nature, the propeller, the sycamore seed, is used to decelerate. So why do we use propellers to push? We shouldn't be using them for that. It doesn't make any sense, and yet we do because we go, we 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 pervert against nature, and then wonder why it doesn't work. It takes way more energy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Everything we're pushing, we're pushing against things. Yeah. So, yeah but we're, we're stronger when we pull. I, I can deadlift much more than I can bench press. Always have been able to. Mm-hmm. Nah. Interesting. Yep. On on the subject of, uh, we, we talked about hydration, we've touched on harmony and balance, and I think that's something that we should be seeking more of in our lives because that is then how you express health and then everything reflects back as well. So looking for ways to have more of a harmonic relationship with everything and looking for an easier path with everything. I was talking to someone today and I said, yeah, please don't take this the wrong way, but you always go looking for the conflict as the way to resolve this instead of going with a view to how do I love my way through this? And and I thought, yeah. you know, he, he called me back and he said, you know, that is a really interesting piece of advice. And I said, well, just float with it and see where it goes. I said, I might not be right, but I think I am for you particularly because you. Inst- he always gets in there and growls and barks and overwhelms it. And I said, you don't have to. There's no reason to do that. It's absolutely unnecessary. It's just a waste of fucking energy. Mm. Oh. Yeah, it's also that relates to the way that uh, the medical model Yep. has like a war mentality it's like we've got to kill this and we've got to do yep. that and like got to fight this fight germs fight this fight that yep. and it's like a real war mentality which anytime there's war there's attrition yeah and usually that attrition is also healthy cells and whatever so it's yep. um yeah it's a it's a like you i mean it's like everything we've been speaking about it's literally an upside down version of how things really yep. would work right. and if you actually gave more of the love to yourself first and foremost yeah it wouldn't be prone to illness and disease and uh injuries and pain and everything yeah. else that people suffer from yeah no absolutely right on the subject of nutrition i, I think one of the things i wanted to talk about was because i said to someone the other day i said look in my in the way i understand things or understand things is, is food should be self-evident if it needs a label to explain what it is and what to do with it you probably shouldn't be putting it in yet yeah you know so you know <laughs> yeah. what a carrot looks like it's you don't need a label good. you know what an apple looks like you, you don't really need a label on that and interestingly if you look at the shape of the food it gives you a pretty good clue as to which part of the body it helps the most so if you if yeah, you cut yeah. a carrot yeah, horizontally a and look at it it looks like your eye mm-hmm. you know and, and avocados look you know like reproductive organs and stuff like that there's some really interesting things if you just slow down and take a look and watch you can kind of work out oh it's probably going to be good for that and that's that's how i base a lot of what i eat yeah yeah, there's a lot in that. That's that, that actually is even in mainstream information, which is quite yeah. interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of validity to that. Uh, same with, um, you know, some people don't like animal foods, but if you're looking into what heals specific parts of the body, that yeah. part of an animal will heal that part of the body. If it's a gland or an organ, for yeah. example, can can give back the deficiencies that the body has in that in the energy of that particular area of the body. Yeah uh there's yeah it's just it's literally it's literally really simple it's just yeah. if you just look at things and observe and it's kind of like there's you can really put together a very 
well-balanced and um, effective Mm -hmm. lifestyle or diet, however you want to look at that, if you just kind of use your common sense and a bit of nature. And like you said, like if you're looking at labels, it's you're already getting it wrong. Like there's nothing in nature labeled anyway. Poisonous when it comes down to it, it's going to have some kind of preservatives in it. And I remember reading recently that the an undertaker was saying that the body's now aren't even decomposing in a month because they're so full of preservatives that people eat. Well, I can't yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> one of the other interesting yeah. stories I read, and you may have read this one, is there was a guy that was um, he got snow blind, which I understand is very, very painful, and he was lost. And uh, a Native American Indian came across him and caught him a fish and said, eat the eyes. And he ate the eyes of the fish, and of course his eyes then healed themselves because it had the correct mm. nutrients in the eyes to fix his eyes which goes back to exactly yeah. what you said a few minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. on the subject Yeah, there's of- a lot of stories of people uh, coming across natives in different places and yeah. it, during their travels and then having healing experiences because of they're giving them something like, you know, like a like an organ from an animal or, yeah. or the raw flesh or blubber from an animal. Yeah. And healing deficiencies in vitamin A and vitamin D and yeah. other nutritional deficiencies and yeah, quite quite common to hear. Uh, makes a lot of sense as well, you know, mm-hmm. just from a common sense point of view. Well, it does when you think about it. And one of the interesting things as well is that if you, I, I, we we had two cats. Now we've got one cat because one decided to go walk about. And he's never returned. The um, <laughs> bless him. I, I watch them. First of all, they don't eat anything that's dead. They eat live things when they catch it. And I watch them eat the different organs depending on what they need because I will find the remnants of what's left. Sometimes it's just the body and no head. Sometimes the heart's gone. Sometimes some around the intestines have gone. Sometimes all I find is a tail. It just depends on what the animal needs. They know best. And it, it struck me that it's very strange that humans will eat carrion that's been dead for months and months and months and think it's nutritious as opposed to eating organs which are full of all the nutrients like they should be eating. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and also, though, uh, there's a – so if you watch what dogs do, if they're given fresh meat, for example, they'll usually bury it and then get it a week later mm-hmm. after it's proliferated with bacteria because yep. it's good for their gut. Yeah. And um, we can do that as well with making high meats and things, which is different from leaving it and it becoming non-vital. It actually increases its vitality mm-hmm. because of the process of increasing the bacterial count. Yeah. And when you look at our cells where more bacteria and and uh, and fungus and everything than we are human DNA. Oh yeah. And our digestive tract and and uh, our immune system is basically bacteria. Yeah. And then you look at the bacteria that's in the bowel that actually feeds the brain and nervous system. Like our whole body needs these so-called germs to be healthy. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I was talking to someone earlier on. Um, done a lot of talking today, and he, he was talking about having trouble with his gut. And I said, "Well, why don't you just start making some probiotics? Start fermenting some veggies and do that." He said, "Well, no, no. I've just had some antibiotics." I said, "But you're killing the very antibiotics is anti life. Why would you do that to yourself? Get the bacteria right in your gut, and you will find there's immeasurable benefits. Just give it a go." So he's gone off now. I showed him how to make some sauerkraut, which is the easiest thing in the world to make and one of the best things you can eat. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. Actually, that's a good point, Adrian, because a lot of people don't realize how easy it is to make some of these foods. Yeah, like I can make a sauerkraut in about four minutes if I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, or a kimchi or something, mm-hmm. and uh, it's so easy to ferment anything like a, a milk, for example. You can let it sour, but you don't even need to do that with fresh milk. You just put some honey in it, leave it out for a day, and it actually ferments. It becomes a, like a yogurt by itself. Mm-hmm. And most foods can, if you look at most cultures that are, uh, you know, not Western cultures, mm-hmm. they don't eat a lot of sweet stuff. They let things sour because yep. it's 
just better for the gut. Yeah. It's, it's how they, they resist a lot of the diseases that Westerners yeah. succumb to. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's just another thing. Like you go and observe, go and spend some time or like watch a documentary or whatever, mm. or, you know, watch what people do that aren't like brought up and caught up in this Western model of yeah. the world. Yeah. And it's very different to what we do. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're very lucky actually. The, um, I found a place which is only about five miles from here that's he's a dairy and he sells raw milk straight from the dairy and has done for about 50 odd or 60 years now. And the, the local governments are always trying to shut him down, trying to blame him for everything. But yeah. he's never he's never inoculated any of his cattle and he's never sprayed any chemicals on the land. And it's interesting because when you have the milk from there, I can tell the difference between when they're fed grass in the summer on the various fields around the place or when they're on some kind of silage and the milk tastes different. But I took that to some friends in Manchester because they were having some skin trouble, the children. And within a week of drinking it, all the crap attacked. They don't drink a lot of it, just enough of it because of all the great bacteria in it. Because what, what people don't seem to understand is that Pasteur was a complete fraud and a liar and a cheat. And actually, he wrote a, he wrote his books were released recently, weren't they? All these kind of private notes and everything that he said, you mustn't publish these. And someone did. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the it's you can't something that's full of dead bacteria. You don't want to be taking dead stuff in. You're a living system, and you want to take living stuff in. Like like with the foods, you don't really want to cook food for too long because when you do, you cook all the residual energy and efficiency out of it, and you damage everything. It's 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 all part of that kind of simple thing, so that people wrap their head around that the more natural you eat the better it's going to be and as you, as you say watch a documentary go out start to spend time around people that don't buy into the crap of current stuff I, i'm appalled every time i drive past a mcdonald's and think what are you doing to yourself because there's always a big mm. queue at the mcdonald's down the road always yeah yeah anyway i actually should should clarify too when i said before about milk I just, I just assume everybody knows that I'm talking about raw milk, but just to clarify, that's raw milk with raw honey, not yes. any yeah. form of pasteurized anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, we're lucky. A friend of mine's got some bees and the community garden where I garden, they have bees up there as well. So we've got a couple of good sources. And, and if people have hay fever, if you have honey from local bees, that can really help as well. Yep. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Anything living, anything that's high in enzymes, high in, high in, uh, nutrients high in energetics high in bacteria and it yeah. all helps the body so yeah um you know it's like when people say oh well i won't eat raw eggs or raw meat or anything because i'm scared of salmonella or e coli it's like those things if you're deficient you'll yeah. have problems those things are meant to be in your body just in the right balance that's right and if you don't get them they're not feeding your brain and nervous system you're gonna have all sorts of problems yeah so uh and you're not you can't get sick from it for anyone that doesn't know Nature is always getting it right and it gave us a nose for a reason. <laughs> and if we smell something that's just go, whoa, Jesus, that's not right, yeah. then probably it's not right because the bacteria has proliferated to a stage where it's going to be too hard for the body to handle. You're probably yeah. going to get you know upsets from that. Yeah. But if it has no odor or it only has a slight odor, then that bacterial level is fine for the body. Yeah. When you cook a food, uh, and like you said, you cook the nutrients out and the energetics, Bacterial levels can reach 50 to up to 80 times higher mm -hmm. than raw food before it'll release a putrid odor. Mm -hmm. So you could be eating a food that has 30, 40 or 50 times wow. the amount of bacterial proliferation than a raw food, but you won't smell it. Mm -hmm. That's why when people get food poisoning, it is always from cooked or undercooked or recooked foods. Mm -hmm. It's not from a pure raw food because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's basically impossible for that to happen. That's interesting. Unless the food is a sick and weak food. So you've got raw eggs or something from a battery farm. Mm -hmm. 
then yeah, you could probably get sick from it, but not from a healthy animal because the cells are healthy. Yeah. And remembering that it's a sick and toxic cell that will create a virus. It's also a sick and toxic cell that will carry disease because it's weak and it needs more bacteria. It needs viruses. It needs yep. uh, pathogenic, if you want to call it that, yeah. species of anything to, to help break it down or try to repair it. Yeah. And that's what you're taking in. That's what will make you ill is the toxicity, yep. not the bacteria per se. That's right. That's right. We're very lucky as well. There's a guy on the road who's got probably 200 chickens that live in the woods behind his house and he gets battery ones in and saves them because every once in a while the eggs, they're more of a pale yellow. And if anyone out there hasn't had eggs from a chicken that's been living as it should on the ground foraging for its own food and eat the kind of things it should be eating, they are such a dark orange. It's unbelievable. You first open them, yeah, go, right. wow. And that's how they used to look when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, and it's how they that's should right. look. So, yeah, anything like that. One of the other things I'd suggest people look at as well, uh, it's something I do, and I don't know what your feelings on it are, but bicarb of soda is a pretty good thing to have as well to help maintain it and modify your pH, and certainly it's a good performance enhancer as well. Yeah, for me, it, it just depends on the individual. It's mm -hmm. like there's – same with supplements, same with anything. It's like if you can get your diet and everything up here, yep. to me, all those things are detrimental. But if your diet and everything's down here, all yeah. that stuff's like super, you should go for it because yeah. your body's not – you're not going to be able to achieve that without it. But when you can get everything optimal, then that stuff, because it's not as natural as the food that yes. does it better, then right. um, then it's, yeah. So it's, it's a sliding scale. That's why I don't say like anything, any health protocol that anyone comes up with, I never say, no, that's not right mm -hmm. because it is right for some people yeah. and it's not right for others. Yeah. So then in that, and I always recommend it, funnily enough, going back to the dentistry, uh, when to heal a cavity, for example, just requires not having... Uh, it had it requires getting enough nutrients in and not mm -hmm. having anything that obviously will destroy yeah. enamel or, or decay a tooth. Yeah. And then they will actually heal. A, a cavity will heal by itself to mm -hmm. the point I've got a massive one in the back here. Mm -hmm. And that was from years and years ago when I when I was going through a lot of issues and hadn't had the diet, mm -hmm. you know, properly dialed in, had a big filling in there. And then the filling fell out and it fell out. And I was like, you know what? I actually don't believe that that filling should be there because like what happened to you, yeah. it's like, what is that? It's not breathing. And yeah. uh, a lot of people don't realize that the brain carries a lot of the toxicity in the body. Again, it carries it because it's one of the fattiest areas of the body. Mm -hmm. And so it's toxicity is shuttled there. And so when the brain detoxifies, it usually detoxifies through the mouth and, mm -hmm. and the teeth and the gums. Mm -hmm. The teeth are actually a detoxification channel mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And that's why you can get plaques and all that. That's not really the way dentists tell you it forms. It's yeah. actually a detoxification. Yeah. That's a protective thing. Well, there's a pump and system so, in your teeth, isn't there? It's what, sorry? There's a pump system in your teeth. A dent a dent yeah. dentine pump, I think they call it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all living stuff. Mm -hmm. So when you block it, it's like I that's what I thought it was like, but if if that's happening then am I blocking something by having yeah. if I got that refilled? So I've left it. And just with good diet and just general dental care, yeah. that's not caused any problems despite there being a big divot down by the gum in the tooth. Mm -hmm. And it actually looks like it's been recalcifying over, over time as well. Like it's a big one. Mm -hmm. So it's not just going to instantly heal like a small hole, yeah. but uh, it's definitely not getting any worse. It's actually getting better. Yeah. And so I'm never going to get that refilled because the tooth is healing yeah. itself. Yeah. And you would think that that would cause a lot of pain or you definitely have to get that refilled, but it's not the case at all. No. So when somebody's got, you know, some dental issues, I do recommend that they, they always swish their mouth with bicarb in water yep. to alkalinize that whole area. And if they've had like, 
something like lemon. Mm-hmm. A lot of good recipes might have lemon in it, but that's actually can be a bit detrimental to teeth, especially if they're sensitive or weak. And so it's fine to still have the healthy food for what it does to the internals, mm-hmm. but then rinse the mouth with bicarb and it yeah. takes away any of the negative effects. So there's a lot of uses for it. Bathing in it, actually, yeah. this is a good one. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're aware of the, uh, you know how you said you're into grounding and yeah. um, earthing and things, which is everyone should do. That's using the earth or trees or water, natural running water supplies or whatever yes. to yeah. earth and ground. And uh, when we get a lot of radiation in the body, uh, it's it's often hard for the body to, to discharge that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you don't have a way to discharge radiation, like specific radiation, actually, I don't want to complicate this too much. Okay, I'll just start again. So basically, you got your, your basic forms, which is earthing, which mm-hmm. is getting your feet on the grass, the soil, the sand, the water, rocks, things like that, and grounding is kind of the same thing. For when the body holds on to specific forms of radiation, which might have come from X-rays, airport scanners, mm-hmm. um, being around too much electromagnetic, like going through a server mm-hmm. center, something like that, that might not really come out because of the way it's held on within the body. Mm-hmm. If you bathe in equal amounts of uh, Epsom salts and bicarb, it mm-hmm. actually helps to the body expel radiation. Okay. Uh, it's something I can't remember the actual because I haven't done it for years now, but there's something about the bicarb mixed with the Epsom salts that's in warm to hot water mm-hmm. that helps the body actually expel that radiation. Wow. Uh, they're called radiation baths. I think you put borax in there as well. Yeah. I shouldn't have even brought this up because I don't even know the full recipe, but hopefully that's like, a, <laughs> you can look that up, do more research, but that's a specific bath yeah. for discharging radiation. That's really interesting. On the subject of, you mentioned uh, Epsom salts, which are magnesium that magnesium is one of the most uh, untalked about things that is involved in hundreds and hundreds of reactions in your body. And if you're short on magnesium, you can have all sorts of health issues without realizing it. And that for me, when I when I worked out that actually magnesium oil was the way to go because magnesium orally for me certainly acts really well as a, as a laxative. Uh, it's extremely mm-hmm. effective. Whereas if I spray magnesium oil all over myself, apart from the fact that for the first three or four days, it itched like nobody's business when I did it, that the, the the migraines I was getting, the muscle tremors, the twitches, the spasms and stuff, they went away and they stayed away. And still every day I get up and after a shower, I'd spray myself down, rub it in, let it dry and then go about my day. And that, that to me has been mm-hmm. potent and it's dirt cheap. You don't want to buy it in the shops because it's like 10 pounds for 100 mil. You can buy a 25 kilo bag of it for about 25 quid. And you can make enough for you and your neighbors for years. Mm-hmm. And I'm, yeah, I'm, it's uh, they call it the master mineral, don't they? Magnesium. Yes, right, it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And the other one you mentioned, borax as well. Anyone wants to do any research on arthritis, that is a really, really potent way of dealing with arthritis. When I was doing digging around looking for that for a friend, the places in the world that had the most borax or boron in the groundwater had the lowest incidence of, of arthritis. The places that had the lowest incidence, like a lot of America, had the highest incidence. And the people that moved from the areas of low incidence to the areas where it was, you know, very, very common to have arthritis, very quickly they normalized to have the same kind of problems. And it treats it incredibly quickly. There's some really good research from a guy in Australia, I think he was. Um, he was doing research on plants, and then he kind of put two and two together and fixed his own arthritis. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, heaps of stories like that. Yeah. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of remedies like that that. Um, people should become aware of. Again, it's one of those things that for me personally, I I use foods for everything. Absolutely. um, Because they always carry a, they carry energy. For example, uh, like a vegetable carries the energetics of of the sun. It carries 
co-nutrients, enzymes, um, everything in it to make it a complete source for something yeah. to do its, its job without any detrimental. Yeah. It's not pulling from anything. Yeah. Whereas something that's more inert like bicarb or borax or DMSO or anything like that, it's not, I mean, I know they come from natural sources, but they, they're, they're not really, they're not like a food. It doesn't have the same effect, no. but it doesn't mean I don't recommend them. Like I said before, uh, I think people should seek out all of these different remedies because most people, if they're honest with themselves and for people I've dealt with, which is a lot, not many people are willing to do what it takes to get it all from food. Yeah. So that's why these things def most definitely have a place yeah. because they do have such a powerful effect. Yeah. And for most people, it's like the thing that's really going to pull them up out of their ailments of, yeah. of where they are. Yeah. And if they choose to go deeper into food and lifestyle and things, then that path is there. Yeah. But in all honesty, that's not most people. That's a small percentage of people. No, I think you're so right, for yeah. everyone else, that's why I recommend, you know, mm -hmm. most of these either protocols or products or or um, anything that's not a pharmaceutical, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. The um, I think one of the other ones that I, I, basic things like movement, lots of fresh air and sunlight. You need sunlight for the vitamin D. Uh, one of the other ones that I think a lot of people don't realize is, is the elimination of waste from the body, that we're not designed to sit on a toilet. That's another trap that causes no end of problems because you've got the, the puborectalis muscle, is it, that creates the kink. So that basically you don't shit yourself when you're walking around or sat on a chair. You mm. don't want to be pushing past that. You want to squat. So get a squatty potty or a squat toilet or do anything. That makes such an enormous difference to proper elimination because if you're not getting the toxins out as quickly as you can and, and you're just going to have loads and loads of trouble and that one thing of squatting in a squatty potty, just a little stool that lifts your knees up and it makes all the difference in the world to so many people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Some, some of these like base, like lots, they, they seem so minor. Yeah. I'm like, but, oh, that couldn't make much difference, but it does. It's, it's yeah. a lot of these little things that make the biggest differences. Yeah. Um, something I actually neglect to tell people a lot. Cause that's kind of like, you know, how you go into a something for a while and you just assume everybody knows yep. you forget to mention it to people. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. I haven't even been telling people that for the last however long. And that's yeah. such a simple thing that makes such a huge difference. Like for me, I'm lucky I've got, I live on a place that's got a bit of land. Yeah. So most of the time I just go and pull out the garden. So you're in a full squad anyway. So yeah, uh, that's the best way. Yeah. And that, that, that only came to me because I go camping sometimes, not as much anymore since I bought a motorhome, but I do that. And I think that was so much better. <laughs> yeah. And then I can create that yeah. at home by spending seven or eight pounds and buying a plastic stool that kind of sits under the, under the bowl and you just push it out and kick your legs off and it's fine. One of the other yeah. ones as well I think people could really do with is breathing. And I, I speak a lot to people. I was speaking to someone who was having panic attacks the other day. And I said, describe where your breathing is. And it was very high in their chest and very shallow and very rapid. So I just I talked them through about breathing a lot lower down in your diaphragm and pushing your stomach out and breathing and really filling yourself. Because if you're not getting oxygen to your system, then your entire system is screaming and panicking for you to breathe but you're not breathing in the right place to get anything else in. So you need to control your breathing and slow it down. I was working out, I probably breathe maybe five or six times a minute, but the nice, deep, slow breaths. And it, it's mm -hmm. an amazing way of changing your state and massively boosting your health as well. Yeah, that's a really good point because it's a two-way thing like you just kind of alluded to. So you could be in a situation that's very stressful yep. and you'll notice your, your breathing's all shallow and sharp and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So the stimulus can create the physiology. Mm -hmm. So then also the physiology can, can have an effect on the stimulus. So if you are anxious or whatever, like you said, you can change the physiology and that'll change the, yeah. 
the effect. mental emotional yeah. state so it works works both ways no you're absolutely right yeah and, and again it's all back to that cause and effect thing and by the way all of this discussion is just like the last one we had where it's all about self-responsibility you can take charge of your own health it's not complex it's not difficult it takes a little bit of discipline a couple of principles and then you can build out something that suits you mm. yeah it does take some discipline Yep. But didn't we talk about it last time where you spent six hours with your hands in the earth and that yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. that's more rewarding than getting it yep. delivered by Uber. It's the same thing. It's like, it takes more discipline. It takes more thought and planning to yep. eat well, to live well, to put time aside for your movement, your breathing and everything yep. else and meditation. Yep. But the rewards are so great because you are tapping into the essence of what you are and who you are. Yeah. And you just... It, but nothing comes for free and, and, and easy and things like the amount of people these days who are getting into the whole, uh, you know, the quantum meta theater stuff and just going, oh, I'm just downloading it, everything instantly. And I'm just going to like, and they love movies like that one where that guy takes the pill thing and he's got all these powers now. Oh, God, yeah, it's yeah, got yeah. Bradley, Bradley Cooper in it. That's right, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and they love that idea. It's because they're lazy. Yes. That's why they love that idea. I don't like that idea at all. I want to pick up a guitar and spend the time getting into the instrument until I get good at it because it's rewarding. If I could just pick it up and play concertos on it, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. But it wouldn't have the reward. And it's like it, everything we do, I, don't, I want the natural way every time yeah. because I know that that's where the actual gold is. The gold is, it, like you said last time, it's in the journey. Like you'll drive slow on certain roads because yeah. like it's the journey. Yeah. It's like there's no journey. There's no, there's nothing. Yeah, I don't want instant everything. I want I want the process yeah. because I learn more about myself and I connect more to a higher source yeah. through that than I will having something instantly come to me all the time. Yeah. That's why I love driving that motorhome I've got because absolutely flat out it does 100 kilometers an hour, but it doesn't like it. You've got to yeah. go slower, <laughs> which means then that you can just you just meander about and enjoying yourself and everything takes, it doesn't take that much longer to get there, but you enjoy the journey no. so much more. Yeah, I see it on the highway as well. Uh, so I drove from here to Brisbane yesterday, which is a, the, what the major city that's closest to here. And I hate that drive. I really do. Reason I hate it is because we've got four lanes when mm -hmm. the highway becomes like more opened up. Yeah. And so many people just decide that. So in our country, we drive on the left, mm -hmm. as is yours. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the furthest to the left, you could consider the slow lane. The furthest to the right, you could consider the fast lane, even yeah. though we have speed limits. Yeah. And uh, But people will go into the third lane and just sit there it's like this is my lane i'm just going to sit in here and they'll be doing like 10ks under the speed limit they don't realize that they're not the only person on the road yeah. and so what they're doing is bottling up and yeah. making it so that people can't actually have a proper flow down the road using the other lanes yeah. and it's infuriating and the other thing that people do is if you look at the following distances most people are about half a second off each other's bumpers yeah. that's not enough time to stop ever if anything goes wrong at any stage somebody changes lanes at the wrong time yeah. there's an accident or something there's no accidents it's somebody's asleep yeah. and uh, that's why you have pile-ups on freeways and things because yeah. you've got to have at least two seconds when i was an advanced driving instructor we used to at the end of the course yeah the instructors would jump in some cars and do a few laps with the people watching. And mm -hmm. when we come down the straight, we're doing 100 k's an hour. And the first time, we'll sit two seconds off the guy in front. Mm -hmm. All our job is to do is react to the guy in front. So we don't know when he's going to do it, but he'll jump on the brakes, do mm -hmm. an emergency stop. We have to do the same. So we've got time to react and break. And then what will happen is uh, if we're looking this way, we're not right behind each other. He's here and I'm here. Mm -hmm. So what will happen is he'll stop and then I'll stop. But from this angle, it yeah. looks like we're here yeah. and I stopped just behind him. Yeah. 
then the next lap I sit half a second off his bumper, no which is what most people do on the freeway. Yeah. And then what happens is it does this. We're like this and yeah. he stops and I, and I go, yeah. it looks like I'm going to go right through the back of him. And yeah. that's what happens. And um, the thing about that is the reason I brought this up is that people get infuriated if they're leaving a two second gap and someone fills that gap, they have to drop back to create that two second gap again. They're like, Oh, come on. <laughs> but if you did that, that's a two second gap, right? If mm-hmm. you did that 30 times on your journey, that's, that's, a one minute difference over like a two hour trip. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's nothing mm-hmm. But people get. So the way our minds work, we get so infuriated and caught up in some of the, the smallest things. Mm-hmm. And I do too. But the reason I get infuriated is because I don't like it when people uh, don't think of others. I don't like yeah. it when they're like, they're not considerate of anyone else around them. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. If they're going under the speed limit, just, Hey, use the left lanes. That's what they're for. Yeah. Don't sit in the third from the outside where <laughs> that's just like, I, I hate it. I'm like, <laughs> But as far as people coming in, I'll always give them room. I'm like, cool, come in and I'll give you two seconds. If you don't know how to put two seconds, I'll do it for you. And I know that's not eating into my journey time. Yeah, and I, that's why I love the motorhome idea. I'd like to get one too. I'll send you some pictures. It's a 26 year old Heimer that I. It's, this is a. It's a slightly different story than health. I decided what I wanted. I wrote it down in my book and I described it very, very carefully. Um, I sold my Land Cruiser, and then every day for 10 months I looked for it because I chased it, it didn't come, and in the end I thought, you know what, this is fucking stupid, I'm going to leave this alone, it's gone, and then I got up one morning and thought, I'll just check, and I found one in Amsterdam, and I was like, well, that's interesting, so I messaged the guy and said, first of all, do you speak English, and secondly, do you still got it for sale, and he called me 10 minutes later, and I said, that's fantastic, all right, uh, I'll be there in the morning, he said, where are you coming from, I said, I'm coming from England, I'll, I'll stay overnight tonight, pick me up in the morning, and I bought it, and I drove it back, which was, there were some problems with it, because it was a long drive back, and the uh there's a bearing gone on the tensioner so that was howling the alternator was screaming its nuts off as well and he hadn't put any insulation in so i was pretty much deaf by the time i got home because even taking the ferry <laughs> it was still about 12 hour drive home but yeah. that has been the single best thing we have ever done i, I take off in it you know just go and see a friend say come on we'll go off and sleep in the woods or go to the beach or something it's fantastic and uh, it that that speed of movement is just amazing and you don't mind driving mm. 1,000, 1,200 kilometers in two or three days in it because it just it potters along. It doesn't do anything fast. You just put it in and just sit back and it's got a massive wraparound windscreen. You just see everything. It's great. Yeah. I want to live in it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's also more, um, you know, where if I think it's a re- result or a product of the speed of our lives that we naturally want to go faster. Yes. I want to get to where I'm going faster. Yeah. And the cars that we have these days, just naturally like doing hundred Ks now feels like a walking pace. It feels slow. Yeah. But if you think of like the way, at least in our modern society, we evolved and it's mostly walking and horseback. We're not really no. used to going really, really fast. Well, and, I, I think um, going fast has a problem, Tom. Sorry for over talking to you because you're going across the telluric current and all the, the different kind of lines on the earth and you're going too fast mm. through them and that has to have an impact on your body. It was never designed to go that fast. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, I still, I still think that people can move really fast at times. Like I think that they've, there's always been these underground tunnels that connect because I, I talk to the indigenous people in our country and if they like you, they'll tell you some of their stories and that. Mm-hmm. And they were trading with people from China and Egypt and that like tens of thousands of years ago. I'm like, yeah. well, how is that possible? And there's these underground, apparently never seen them, but this is a, a well, like a lot mm-hmm. of cultures tell this, mm-hmm. of the underground networks. And then 
And then you go, well, how does that happen? Because of the distance and like, they must have, they must travel at supersonic speed somehow. Mm -hmm. So there's these magnetic things and whatever. I have no idea how it works. I I think it would be to do with magnetism as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think at certain stages we have, but I agree it's got, that's traveling on a natural energetic current at the same time. It's not traveling across uh, on the surface level and not, not, I I know what you're saying and I agree. I think though that we have traveled really fast and even teleportation has to be a thing. Definitely. as well it's got to be in our dna we just haven't learned how to switch it on ourselves yet but um or, or remember how to so, switch it back on it's sorry i missed that that the, we haven't remembered how to switch it back on i think remembered, most yeah. of this journey isn't about discovering anything new i think it's about remembering that which we've forgotten totally yeah i completely agree yeah one, one final yeah, because one, i'm sorry go on. well i just from it's funny because we we taking these concepts that have been in story or movies or folklore or whatever. And we go, well, teleportation or extrasensory perception or like mind reading or Mm -hmm. telekinesis and all that. That's like, Oh, that's just the stuff of fantasy. But, but then when you learn a lot about, they tell us everything and they hide it in a movie. So it looks like it's fantasy, but it's not really. So really they're telling us that we have this ability. And like you said, we've forgotten, but we're also uh, just completely, distracted from ever remembering it because of what's put in front of us instead hey just go on facebook just uh, do this do that just chase chase money all your life chase girls do all this stuff and then it's like we we never get to the remembering but it's got to be there because even if you the body so you know this a lot of people are kind of familiar with the concept that the body doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined like if you imagine somebody attacking you compared to somebody actually attacking you, the mm-hmm. physio- physiological response is the same. So the body thinks of it as the same thing. Yeah. So therefore thoughts are thoughts are real. Like thoughts can be manifested. And yeah. a lot of people have done this experiment with fractals of frozen water or whatever else yeah. where the thought creates a different pattern. Yes. So we know thoughts can be measured. Therefore, they're a real thing. Mm-hmm. So if we can think of things like dragons and unicorns and telekinesis and all these things then they have to be a reality somewhere in the field of the cosmos so then i've got really nowhere else to go from there i think but it's got to be there no you're absolutely right and it's you only experience that which you are the vibration of so it's where you're tuned you're thinking to what channel you're watching if you will in your reality experience you're having yeah um and i know from doing um some uh what's the best way to put that some traveling drugs over time. Um, you, you go to different places in your mind. But if it, um, for what I did was I've, I've meditated now, well, since I was 10, so 46 years, uh, pretty much every day for anywhere from sort of 10, 10 minutes to an hour most days. And you learn how to go places and you can do things in your imagination that are just amazing and make a mockery of anything in the physical world, I think which is why I lasted all of about two days on Facebook before I thought, right, I need to let go of this before I do some injury to someone. <laughs> because yeah. it, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's, it's just all complete nonsense. Yeah, it is. And it's, uh, and same, I'm the same, like I only got Facebook relatively recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I only got this computer when I was 38. Mm-hmm. I, I just have not really been into that whole thing. Yeah. And uh, because also I see, enough, before I got it, I, you hear other people talking about it and you hear that in conversations they're having yeah. and like, what are you talking about? That's like moronic or it's insane. It's just, yeah. that's not, that's definitely not for me anyway. Yeah. Maybe I'll just put it that way. That's not my thing. <laughs> so then I, 
I got Facebook when I was at a um, a university because everybody within this small uh, unit all communicated via a um, private page. So I got Facebook to be on that page and I had like 50 friends because that's all of the people that were in that that place. And then it wasn't long after that I had a few more friends just because of like standard friends. I went to another college. So I did music at one and film at another. Mm -hmm. And that's all I had Facebook for was simply because people, when they were organizing something, it all happened through group chats on Messenger. So Mm -hmm. got to kind of have Facebook. Didn't engage in it, didn't post anything or look at news feeds or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Just used it for that. And then, yeah, so then I posted that video because I couldn't figure out how to put it on this, uh, into the Messenger thing. I'll just put it on there. And then, and then I went from having like 120 friends to 5,000 and like all that. And Facebook became a thing that I actually used to do live streams, but I still don't look at it. Yeah. I still don't go and scroll like people scroll through Facebook. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still don't use it, use it. I just use it to live stream. And and then I feel bad because I don't even look at the comments or whatever, but I can't. It's like, if you look on your thing, there's so many notifications. It's yeah. like, you just, you'd have to be a full-time Facebooker to do that. So yeah. that's why I repost it on YouTube. And then I'll actually go through some of the comments and reply if it's yeah. a question or whatever. On there, but Facebook, I've actually got literally nothing to do with because yeah. other than live streaming. Yeah, it's funny, you know, just just stepping back a little bit to the point you made about how thoughts are real. That if anyone doesn't think that's true, if you're in your car and you're doing above the speed limit and you see flashing lights and hear a police siren, that will have a physical reaction in your body. I guarantee it. And yet, it's only a thought. Or if mm. you watch a movie and something bad happens and you physically jump and recoil you are having a physical response to what you are thinking about. And people shouldn't underestimate the power of thought, which is why all this brainwashing on the television works so damn well right now, because it's just getting into people's minds. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a weird thing when you're out of it, because like I've haven't, from when I started living on my own, first of all, I couldn't afford a TV, but it wasn't long after that, that I uh, just lost interest in it altogether Mm -hmm. when I was like 19 and never had a TV since then. And Mm -hmm. the amount of stuff that people always say this to me they go well how do you play drums and guitar and piano when you surf and you're and you're good at this or that and i just go well i don't have a tv i don't use facebook i don't like that we've all got the same 24 hours in a day and instead of doing those sorts of things i learn stuff yeah it's just it's not that i'm great at anything or i'm like a great learner faster than other people or whatever it's just that i haven't had a tv since i was 19 (laughs) and i didn't get a computer till i was 38 so that's how i can do like like we talked about in the last video I'm going, to, I'm going to do one quick question for you, and then I'm going to ask you if there's anything else you want to add. One of the things that I found to be particularly beneficial health-wise is to do with food, and that is to create or make your own sprouts and eat sprouts of various things, things like broccoli sprouts and all the rest of it. And I, I think people, you would do very well to look into that because they contain so much energy and so much nutrition. Yeah, uh, a lot of people juice their sprouts and things yep. as well. It's uh, it's quite high in uh, it's a it's basically like a mineral supplement. You do a bit yeah. of juicing with that and some greens, and you got a really high quality mineral supplement. Oh, and one thing actually on the, on the subject of minerals in Dr. Jerry Tennant's books, he said that the very best way he's found to find out if someone is deficient in a mineral is to put some on their tongue, and if it tastes mm-hmm. anything other than unpleasant, they're deficient in it. Which of course is your body signaling that you should be taking it in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they use that mineral test for a few different things. They use that in doctor surgeries, actually. Oh, is it doctor surgeries or no? Maybe not. But they use it in a lot of uh, natural health yeah. Uh, yeah. clinics and stuff. They'll do those mineral tests. Yeah, 
Yeah, because you need them as well. And the final one, is there anything that you think we haven't covered? And we've covered a lot like we did last time. Anything you'd like to add? Anything uh, you want to finish with? Yeah, well, it's really, I think you highlighted it with the poop stool thing. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's, That's it's the, the simple <laughs> stuff that it, it, you just forget sometimes. Yeah. But it's really, it is just, uh, it's not hard like you've been saying. It's yeah. really not. And it's just the a lot of little things and a lot of little things make up the big thing which is good health yes but it's just the little things it's like do i do i make my own food or do i order food or do i like you know use a standard toilet or do do a little bit more effort and use one of these get a stool or use the garden or something um you know how's my breathing how it's like all of these little things that add up to make the bigger picture yeah it doesn't have to be what some people think it is like this arduous mountain you've got to climb it's really just a lot of baby steps yeah and uh, and keeping more than anything, the guiding star is really the mind and what it's focused on. So yeah. if we have a good dream in life or just at least a good outlook, the physiology is always going to be more positive. For example, my uncle and auntie do not have a good diet, drink a lot of wine, eat a lot of processed cheese and all that sort of stuff, but they're relatively healthy. They're quite old now. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're just happy people. They mm-hmm. love what they do. Yeah. They uh, travel a lot. They they're just, you know, the mind. And then you get people who are technically eating a lot of really good stuff, but they're really militant about it. They're like so focused on their diet yeah. that they forget to actually use that diet to create anything of any value in the world or to enjoy life. Yeah. And so they're actually not that healthy because the mind is so closed in yeah. on uh, being right about what they're eating or not eating the wrong stuff or whatever like people think that i'm extreme because i literally won't eat anything unless it's raw and organic and like the best quality but to me i'm not extreme because i'm not actually focused on it it's not my reason for being yeah uh it's just something that happens it's actually easy for me yeah but i do it so that i can focus on what i'm creating with with life it's not my sole purpose whereas for a lot of people and particularly, don't want to tar them all with the same brush, but particularly vegans mm-hmm. get into this way. Yeah. It's like that's their reason for being. It's their it's their badge of honor. It's their their mission. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that per se, but it's just I think they're missing another step, which is what are you actually doing that for? Yeah. The body or the diet. You talk to anybody in a like a non-Western culture, mm-hmm. and their food is just like. It's, a, it's either something cultural, it's something they share, something they do. It's always for a greater reason. The dinner yeah. is so I can share something with you, share something with the family. Yes. Uh, or it's to whatever, it's part of a ceremony. It's part of a higher purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And the focus is not on, oh, this has this many grams of carbs and this has lots of selenium <laughs> in it. And this has, like, they don't know any of that stuff because yeah. they don't need to. That's right. It's balanced, yeah. you know. I think one, one of the things I wanted to finish on as well is, is that if people aren't, fasting or looking at intermittent fasting for me that was one of the most very beneficial things i could do um when i realized and started to really get my head around the whole process of autophagy and everything and i thought well i'll give that a go so i i'm fairly extreme with everything if i decide to do something it's it's like when i years ago when i was smoking i said well i'll just quit or when i quit drinking someone said well how do you do that and i said well i just don't do it anymore so i don't have to think about whether i should or not it's no longer part of my reality so why would i yeah so with the yeah. fasting, I thought, you know what? Because at the weekend, I wasn't really getting around to eating any food till about two in the afternoon anyway. And so now I do between 19 and 20 hours every day without any food. I just drink a lot of water. And I now weigh less than I did when I was 18. I have more physical strength, more clarity of mind, and more flexibility than I've had in a long time. And I've always been reasonably fit and reasonably healthy. So 
if anyone's looking at anything, intermittent fasting or any kind of fasting is something to really look at because it has such tremendous benefits. We're not designed to shovel food in all the time. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, and more than more than anything, I think it's the uh, I think it's got such a strong presence when it's your state of, for your state of being, yes. just in general, because yeah. you've got to be really present and you've got to be really disciplined and diligent. It's like a, it's something. See, when people fast in um, you know in their other cultures mm-hmm. that aren't Western cultures, it's got nothing to do with like increasing energy or like losing weight or this or that it's got to do with a higher purpose yes. it's like you fast to to reach something higher or yes. deeper in you it's got more of, of a spiritual significance yeah. and so when people in the west who generally have none of that in their lives can move on to something like fasting for a day a week or a month or doing intermittent fasting or whatever mm-hmm. it really starts to get them more in touch with themselves yeah. the health benefits they're there but i think for a typical Westerner, that's probably the primary benefit. Yeah. Um, there are times when fasting is not uh, advisable when somebody's uh, got certain conditions, but mm-hmm. for the, most people, just in general, that's definitely something that they should be looking into because it does pull them out of that matrix yes. way of living, yeah. which we're programmed with, which is what you were talking about. Yeah. The way we the way we eat is very programmed. Yeah, and and, and the, the clarity of mind, I I, I find. I like today. I didn't actually get around to getting breakfast until about four thirty in the afternoon because I was busy. My my new mixing deck arrived, and I thought I want to get into that. And it's not that I'm consciously avoiding the food. I just don't think about it. And, and one of the other benefits, other than the, the spiritual thing you were talking about, which is which is really good, is that you've got so much more time because you're not messing around having yeah. to make and prepare and tidy up. And I I just I don't get around to making food till mid afternoon. And then I eat again probably about seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, and I'm done. And it's great. Yeah. I've got all this extra time, but I've got so much more energy, and I've got so much more clarity in my meditations as well. They just they just feel like mm-hmm. there's less distractions, and it, it's just it's been amazing, really. Yeah, and any time that you would do a um, like if you were doing something cultural with another culture, mm-hmm. they would fast before they do full meditations or ceremonies or yeah. whatever because of the clarity of mind yes. and body and spirit that yeah. happens as a result. Yeah, cool, brilliant. Well, Tom, that's been absolutely awesome and another really interesting discussion again. And uh, yeah, it was good. I, I learned quite a bit, so thanks for the chat. Well, no, likewise, I really did too. And I'll send you probably not tonight because I'll get some sleep in a minute, but I'll send you the stuff on Jerry Tennant across and links to some books and everything. It's it it will add some more pieces to the puzzle, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'm really keen to learn about that. So cool. yeah, thanks right. for that. Look as well. after yourself, brother, and keep doing what you do. Yeah, thanks you too. Thanks, Take Eddie. Care. Cheers, pal. Bye bye. Bye bye. See ya.